Hey, good morning. I am Reverend Krista Erickson, and I'm so excited to be back up here with you guys today. And um, I am talking about resolutions, because it's January 9th, and last week, if you were here, or whether you were here in person, or if you participated online, we all set resolutions. We didn't, we didn't call them that, we, call them, we called them commitments to ourselves, but ultimately that's what it is, and it's the, it's the season for change, and um, I know that resolutions have kind of, they're starting to fall out of vogue. You know, people are like, ah, just do it whenever you can. You don't have to do it on the first. But the truth of the matter is that there is this worldwide collective consciousness of a new beginning on January 1st. So why not take advantage of that energy that is already around us to, to try to better ourselves? Because ultimately that's what resolutions are for, right? I don't think anybody makes a resolution to be a worse human than they already are. I hope not. <laughs> so I, I got curious about, um, you know, what the most common resolutions were. So, I, you know, I, I went to Google and I was not surprised by the results at all. They've probably been the same for the last 50 years, but it goes from number one to 10, exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save money or and sp spend less money, quit smoking. Although I'm actually surprised that there's still so many smokers out there that that was number seven. That one did surprise me. <laughs> um, spend more time with family and friends, travel more and read more. So did any of you can relate to any of those? Right? <laughs> I can check pretty much all except the smoking one off. I got rid of that habit years ago. But, and when I was researching those, what I also found out was that January 19th is now starting to be called Quitter's Day. Because statistically speaking, by January 19th, you've probably given up on those resolutions. So you get 19 days as the most people are willing to give a change, which also kind of shocked me because I was like, oh, that's, that's only two weeks, you know, two and a half weeks. It doesn't seem like much time at all. But, you know, luckily for us, it's only the ninth, so we got 10 more days to figure this out. <laughs> um, so I started to think about what, how can we become the people that we need to be in order to make those commitments that we made to ourselves last week. Right, because if we were already those people, then those commitments would have already been fulfilled. So we're seeing some sort of room for growth within ourselves that we want to, to complete in order to be better or to do something, to become something. And what I realize in pondering this question is that there is an answer for all of it, regardless of what the resolution was, regardless of what the commitment was, regardless of the change, and that answer is mindfulness. Being mindful in your everyday activities will absolutely change your life. And you know, part of, of change is creating new habits, and Kenneth recommended this excellent podcast for me that I listened to, and um, which I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's, uh, you know, it talked about with habit change and how do you change your habits and some of the best ways to do it are to attach a new habit to one you already have. So that got me thinking, well, how can you attach mindfulness 
to what you're already doing. And you know, there's a lot of really simple things I'm sure you've heard before, like brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand. Diane got a taste of this. <laughs> yeah, in writing. Because when you're doing something with your non-dominant hand, you're forced to stop and actually think about it. And that forces you to be present. And that is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is just being present, being aware in the moment of what you're doing, what's going on around you. And it actually, I have, um, it's a little more than that. I have the Merriam-Webster definition of mindfulness. And it is the practice of maintaining a non-judgmental state of heightened or complete awareness of one's thoughts, emotions, or experiences on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, which sounds <laughs> not so easy. <laughs> it sounds actually really complicated, doesn't it? It's, um, but, but we just did that. In the meditation that we did, we just did that. That was a mindful meditation where you're not trying to focus on anything other than what's happening right now in the moment. But unfortunately, we can't meditate all day. Um, we can try. <laughs> but you know, if you're anything like me, you're lucky if you meditate once or twice a week. You know, for me, it's usually here at church. I actually hate meditating. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Not a popular thing for somebody in this line of work to say, but I just, I, I have a mind that's constantly going. And when I sit and I try to meditate, I just feel like I'm failing at it every time because I can't get to that point that you're supposed to get to in meditation. And um, although that's not true, it happened once. I had this amazing meditation teacher and I got into that point where my mind went blank. And as soon as it happened, I recognized that my mind went blank and I got really excited about it and I like, took myself out of the meditation and then I started laughing at myself and took everyone else out of meditation. So it was, you know, <laughs> but anyway, so for me, meditation is, it's, it's something that I really have to work on. So sitting down and finding that quiet time, it just doesn't work for me. So I have to find meditation doing other things. Um, I like to do fiber arts and that is a meditation for me. When I embroider, that is meditation. When I weave, that is meditation. Um, I know a lot of uh, knitters and um, what's, what's the other one? Crochet. crochet, thank you. Obviously those are the two I don't do. <laughs> but for them, it is a form of meditation and you can find meditation in so many ways. Um, I have a friend that does walking meditation wherever he goes. Anytime he's walking, he just, he just kind of empties his mind and just is aware of the steps aware of the movement, aware of the sights, the smells, the noises. And that's what mindfulness is really about, is just being aware. Um, but, you know, so brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand, eating with your non-dominant hand. Um, but there are other moments too, like a daily shower. I used to get all my best ideas in the shower and then I got hooked on podcasts and now I listen to podcasts when I'm in the shower <laughs> and when I was thinking about this I was like man I miss I miss that quiet time because when you're in the shower there's really nothing else to do right except to focus on what's being done you know scrubbing the hair or whatever and I, I've realized that I've actually taken that moment away from myself because I've been trying to multitask right because it's a uh, we live in a society, a very chaotic society, where the more you do, the better. And, um, and it's funny, because Tim's actually really great at single tasking. 
and it frustrates me because I'm like, <laughs> why can't you do this and this at the same time? <laughs> you know, but the reality of the situation is like that should be the goal. That really, like, he's he's got this down pat. I'm the one that's having to learn how to do the single tasking, and um, but just being able to do one thing at a time, being able to recognize the presence within in any given moment, regardless of what you're doing. You know, whether you're driving down the 95 getting cut off <laughs> or whether you're, you know, in the grocery store, you know, stocking up for the week, that being able to find that presence, that quiet moment within, regardless of the chaos that's going on outside of you, that's where the power comes in. That's where the mindfulness comes in. Um, so I wanted to read, I'm going to do a couple very short readings today. Um, this first one is from Joel Goldsmith. He's a uh, philosopher. It's a very powerful little book. Don't let the size of this book fool you. This is a big book. Um, and it's called Practicing the Presence. This entire book is about mindfulness, basically, before the term was really in vogue. Um, and he writes, the degree of spiritual consciousness which we attain can be measured by the extent to which we relinquish our dependence on the external world of form and place our faith and confidence in something greater than ourselves, in the infinite invisible, which can surmount any and every obstacle. It is an awareness of the grace of God. One of the most comforting passages in scripture is, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And he says, if we could spend a month with that one statement, it would open a whole new world to us. We might ask ourselves what we know about peace. We all know the kind of peace that the world can give, but that is not the kind of peace that we need. Many of us think that we would have peace if we had enough supply or if we had our health or if we had the right kind of companionship. And that might be true, but having those things doesn't guarantee that we shall not be disturbed about something else. As long as we look to people and situations for peace, we shall fail to find either enduring satisfaction or peace. And you can substitute peace for any other emotion or feeling that you want. And what he's saying is that we cannot look outside of ourselves because our God of our knowing is a God within. You know, we do not believe that God is some separate entity, you know, man in the sky looking down at us. Like when we want answers from God, we ask our inner being. We ask ourselves because we innately know the spiritual divine truth. And we know when it's the spiritual divine truth when it's good. When it's good and when it doesn't hurt anybody. And sometimes our divine truths may not be the same. But as long as it's good, then it's good. If it's good, it's God. And if it's God, it's good. <laughs> so when I read this, um, you know, because I'm a minister of religious science. I'm not a Christian minister, and I haven't actually read a Bible since my teenage years. And uh, so I had, to, I had to see what was that that he actually quoted in the Bible. And it's from John. So I picked up the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament to see what it had to say about that particular quote. And it says, turn within and further the development of your awareness through your focus and attention. 
Dismiss that which is false and accept that which is true. In the focusing of the mind, witness shall step forth to show you what it is that you do. But do not focus on the witness. Stay well within the mind. And that made way more sense to me than the other one. <laughs> because again, you, we're being told to stay within. All of the answers, all the peace that we want, all the love that we want, all the calmness, all the abundance, all the joy, it all has to start within. And we find that by being mindful. We find that by, by focusing on what it is that's actually going on around us, that what we're experiencing and being able to recognize that what we're experiencing doesn't have to actually affect us. We choose what affects us. You know, when, when I, um, I've driven all over the country, I got, you know, grew up in Minnesota driving there and, you know, lived in California. And when I came here and started driving, I was terrified. <laughs> like I had never seen like such like a recklessness on the road as on the East Coast. Like I, I was like, man, there is such a huge, like just basic disregard for human life here. Like you all are crazy. <laughs> but I had to calm down. <laughs> and I had to realize that their driving doesn't have to affect my driving. You know, if somebody cuts me off, if somebody doesn't let me merge, that's okay, I'm still gonna get in the lane. You know, I, have, I haven't been in an accident, you know, so it's not like I have anything that I can really complain about. <laughs> but driving was truly a thing that I had to get over because it was, people were doing it to me. You know, they were intentionally cutting me off <laughs> like it was a personal vendetta against some stranger that they don't even know, right? <laughs> and you have to take yourself out of that situation and say, that has nothing to do with me. And what I've started doing, and I actually learned this years and years ago from um, one of my mentors, um, but what I started doing was when people were going way faster than I thought they should be going, Instead of assuming that they were jerks and terrible people, I started assuming that they had a pregnant lady in the back seat and they were trying to get to the hospital. Because I could have compassion for that. You know, I could be like, okay, you go. <laughs> you know, and if somebody was going too slow for my comfort, because, you know, if you're not driving exactly the way I'm driving, then you're doing it wrong. You know, <laughs> so if somebody was going too slow, I would say, oh, they must be a teenager who's just learning how to drive and they're not comfortable yet. You know, because I have a teen, so I can. I can, uh, I can relate to that. So I had to kind of start telling myself different stories about what was happening in the world around me. But by telling myself different stories, it allowed me to really think about what was going on in my mind. Because here, I was taking, you know, and the driving is just an example, obviously, but I was taking all of these things personally as if it was like something done against me. You know, like they, they knew it was me and they were going to do it against me, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but by going into mindfulness and realizing my reaction to the outside world, I'm able to change the narrative. And you can do that with anything. You can do that with your coworkers. You can do that with your jerk boss. <laughs> I'm kidding. We all have great bosses, right? <laughs> but it's, but it's really a personal responsibility that we have in our own lives to choose better and to choose a better story for us. We can't choose a better story for anybody else, but we can always choose a better story for us.
um, you know, we have to be able to step out of the autopilot. And when I think about mindfulness during my day, it's hard at first. It is really hard because, you know, you get up, I go downstairs and I get my coffee and I drink my coffee and then I drink some more coffee <laughs> and then I might eat breakfast or I might not. And then I shower and I, you know, and I go on my day and I never think about any of it. I never think, oh, I'm awake. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to pour coffee into a cup. I'm going to now sit down and let it cool for about five minutes and I'm going to drink coffee. You're like nobody does that. We don't think about that because all of our habits are automatic. So what I've been trying to do is attach mindfulness to those automatic habits. So now when I pour the coffee, I really inhale the aroma. I can feel the warmth of the mug of my, you know, on my hands around the mug. You know, when I take that first sip, actually paying attention to how the warmth feels going down your throat. You can do it when eating. You take a bite of food and you really pay attention to the flavors, to the texture. How many times do you just like shove food in your mouth to get the meal over with? But a meal should be and can be something sacred. Everything that we do can become a sacred moment in our day. We just have to choose to do it. And you do that by being mindful. Um, and any time that you notice that you aren't aware, that you notice that, oh, I'm just going in that chaotic mode. Um, like, I don't know how many times it's, you know, time for dinner. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, 4.30 and I haven't even decided what I'm going to cook for dinner, much less started prepping dinner. And you just, you know, I just kind of go into like this, oh, where, what do we have? What do we have? And then it's like, okay, wait, stop. We have a list because <laughs> we meal plan, you know? It's like, oh wait, I have a plan already. You know, but I have to remember that I have a plan and I have to be able to, to take a breath and to center myself and to find myself in that moment in order to actually do what needs to get done. And in the spiritual part of that is that when you're, when you're mindful, what we're really doing is noticing the presence of God within. Because when we, when we practice the presence, when we practice finding that presence within on a daily basis, you're constantly connected. I mean, we're constantly connected on any time, but how often are you actually aware of your connection to the divine? You know, it's going to be different for everyone. But for the most part, I'm guessing that most of us aren't really thinking about that on a day-to-day -day basis, unless something bad is happening. Then it's easy to say, oh, wait, oh, wait, okay, okay, there's... There's God. I'm one with God, you know. <laughs> God's one with me. Everything is good. But do you think about that in the moments that aren't stressful? How often, like Raisa, I love when you shared this morning when you're getting ready and you just saw your dog and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's, those moments are so peaceful and such a blessing. But what if we could cultivate them more? What if you could, instead of waiting for those moments to happen, create those moments whenever you want, whenever you need. Today when we left, um, we have, we, we lost our dog a couple months ago, so it's been kind of a, it's been sad, but it's, we have these moments where it's like, oh wait, she's not here, you know? And um, 
and we also have a couple of stray cats that um, are outside. They have a heated house, don't worry. I spoil them. They came with the house when we bought it, but, but you know, my husband and my youngest are allergic, so they're not allowed inside. But today, when we left for church, one of the cats who's very friendly just tried to bolt right into the house. Like, she wanted in. And I'm like, no, 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 you know? Because I didn't have time to like go chase her around the house and, and, and get her out before coming here. But in that moment, instead of thinking, get out, get out, I'm thinking, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> you're so sweet. And I know you want in, but I can't let you in. But you have a warm house. And, and but just there's that reminder that even though our, our beloved, you know, we call her a bear. She was like a hundred pound Akita. She was a giant. <laughs> um, but even though our beloved bear is gone, we still have that presence of love that only animals can give us. And it was just such a beautiful moment, uh, that reminder that that's still there, that that presence of God is still there. But I could have just shooed the cat outside and gone on with the day, but instead I chose to, to use that moment to be like, <gasps> what a blessing, what a blessing to be reminded that there is love in all forms constantly surrounding us. So find the moments, make them yourself, because they're very rarely come on naturally. Um, and just remember that regardless of what did happen or what could happen, right now, you're good. Like, unless you're on fire, then maybe you're not good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, part, but you know, in that case, you know, <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> But that's a, really what mindfulness is. It's living in the presence. It's not worrying about what just happened or what's gonna happen in five minutes. Right now, when you're feeling rushed, when you're feeling stressed, just stop and say, oh, I'm actually good right now. You know, I, I might have to, to hop in the car in, in a minute and you know beat rush hour traffic to go pick up kids, or I might have to go to the store and do this, or I might be late for work, but, but right now, I'm good. And I think what will happen is that if you keep checking in on yourself right now, how am I doing? You're going to find that in every moment you're good. Stress and worry comes from thinking about the past or the future. And what we really need to focus on is the present and to be mindful that God is good, that God is everywhere that God is within and that we are good. Um, because really connecting to that source within is what cultivates our divine light within. The more that we can recognize how good our life is, the easier it becomes to develop into the people that we want to become. The easier it is to create those new habits. You know, if you want to write a book, you have to write, which means you have to find time to write, which means you have to cultivate space. You have to decide on something else because every time you say yes to, say, to something, you're saying no to something else. There's, there's always a no with the yes and there's always a yes with the no. So we have to create the space and be mindful of it. You know, if you want to lose weight, you have to move more or you have to change your eating habits or 
you have to see a doctor, you know, and there's so many different options to get to where we want to go, but they're not going to magically happen. We have to do it. In um, religious science, we call prayer spiritual mind treatment, and most of us just call it treatment for short. And uh, so we have a saying, and it's treat and move your feet. So you have to pray, and then you got to do something to make that prayer come true. Because miracles do happen. I am 100% a full believer in miracles. But we have to be a part of that miracle. Instead of just waiting for it to happen, you have to take the steps in order to get there. And that's what, how we get through the January 19th <laughs> and actually fulfill our commitments to ourselves and fulfill the resolutions and become the version of ourself that we aspire to be. And if recognizing that oneness with our with God was so easy, then we wouldn't have any of the problems that we have in the world, which is why we're talking about it today, because we have to actually do something about it. We have to become what we want to see in the world. And mindfulness, I believe, at least, truly is the answer to all of that. Because if we can be mindful, maybe we inspire somebody else to be mindful. If we can practice the presence of God in our lives every moment of every day, then we can show others the way through our example. So I invite you to, over the next, I'll say 10 days, you know, let's beat the 19th, but for the next ever, <laughs> find those moments in your day that you can find, that you can put God. God's already there. You don't need to find God. God's already there. He's already in every moment. But are you seeing it? Are you recognizing it? Are you practicing the presence of, of embracing it and accepting it? Because if we can do that, then I promise that all of those resolutions will be met. And we will all be different people next year. And December 1st, when we open the letters that we wrote to ourselves last week, we're going to say, yes, I did it. <laughs> Instead of, oh, <laughs> well, I guess I didn't meet that one. <laughs> so here's to, to being impressed with ourselves a year from now <laughs> by finding God in every moment of the day now. Thank you so much. <laughs>